trigger warning. There are mentions of abuse and suicide in this podcast. Hi, my name is Sinead Powell, and I will be talking about the suicide crisis that took place in Attawapiskat. I chose to research this topic because suicide in general is a huge issue, but the numbers connected to Indigenous communities in Canada are even more alarming. In a report by First Nations Drum, it was revealed that Indigenous youth suicides happen five to seven times the rate of non-Indigenous Canadians. And in April of 2016, reports from Global News said that 100 suicide attempts had accumulated over the course of a few months in Attawapiskat, with 28 alone happening in March. Seeing these numbers and stats made me interested in learning about why the crisis happened and what was being done, not only by Indigenous communities, but by the Canadian government. And while looking into this topic, it was important to me that I'd look beyond the numbers to the people who were suffering behind them in the community that was in despair. Attawapiskat is home to around 2,000 Cree people and located in the James Bay, Northern Ontario area. They are known as the people of the Parting Rocks in Swampy Cree language, and they live in a very isolated community. The, the community has faced many crises in its time, and in 2016, they faced yet another when suicide rates were becoming a lot higher and a lot of children were attempting suicide on a monthly basis. While a singular cause for why this crisis was happening could not be found, a lot of the stressors could be traced back to Canada's dark period of residential school systems and colonialism. If you are unfamiliar with these terms, Louise Longclaws describes residential school systems in her experience in them in her interview with CBC Radio. She first entered the residential school system when she was six years old and was in them for about five years. She describes her time and helps Canadians better understand why these schools were so traumatizing back then for Indigenous people and why this trauma has continued now in recent generations. I guess it's just that family connection and just not having some kind of memory at times. And it always goes back to being robotic. No feeling, no emotions, no nothing. If you got hurt, uh, no one was there to comfort you. You know, uh, things like just things that as a, as a child I should have gotten from a loving parent, you know, or an adult who looked after me. I wasn't able to parent my children as well as I wish I could have. No one ever read to me, you know, no one ever came and cuddled me or, you know, uh, 
gave me a hug if, if I was feeling um, sad or upset or I'd fallen down and no one was there for me. I had to just basically pick myself up and keep going. I'd like to think I'm getting better at it with my grandchildren. <laughs> Years of pain, trauma, and loss. Residential school systems were installed by the Canadian government under the ideology of quote-unquote, civilizing the Indian. They wanted to assimilate indigenous culture and eliminate their, quote, Indian problem. Their methods included torture, neglect, emotional and or verbal abuse, sexual and or physical abuse, and more. Genders were separated, so a brother and sister would not have any contact with each other for the duration of their stay, which... I can't imagine how much harder that would make the process seem as they were already taken from so much and so much of their normal day-to-day life was stolen from them. But to be separated from someone and have them be so close yet so far is also so heartbreaking. And I can't imagine what it was like as a kid having to go through that experience alone without your siblings and Just to be taken from your family in general and subjected to so much abuse is terrible. And in these schools, around 3,000 kids died. And these effects effects are still felt today in First Nation communities where languages and history has been lost. But they are fighting to get it back. And the aftermath of colonialism has stained many of these communities in Canada, um, as well as caused many struggles. Why was this crisis happening in Attawapiskat? Apart from colonialism and the residential school systems that we talked about, Bullying, crowded housing, and sexual and or physical abuse are some of the other stressors that led to the suicide crisis. Sheridan Hukima, a 13-year-old girl who ended her life on October of 2015, according to APTN National News, her death was the start of the crisis, as many Cree youth attempted to take their own life after her death. APTN National News, National News also revealed that materials were being exhausted because the community was not given the proper supplies to handle the crisis or the proper training. In an interview with The Guardian, Sheridan's mother discusses factors that pushed her daughter to suicide, and the former chief, Bruce Shishish, opens up about his reaction to the the crisis and his opinion on um, how the government reacted to it. I remember my daughter said, um, Mommy, I don't want to go back to school because the teacher was calling me fat and stupid. Did the government provide help for us for one month? But I'm kind of uh, worried about what's going to take place after 30 days. What I'm looking for as a chief is a a long-term commitment. 
It wasn't until April 9th of 2016 that local indigenous leaders announced a state of emergency after around a dozen suicide attempts took place on one Saturday night, as reported by Anishinaabek News. I think a lot of people were shocked because one of the youngest people just in that group on that night who attempted suicide were only, they were only um, 11 years of age. And I think when people hear that they were so young, it really puts into perspective just how bad it got in Attawapiska, especially since 11 wasn't even the youngest age that there was for the people attempting. Like there were kids that were younger than that. And I think that really caused the crisis to get so much recognition, so much um, coverage from the media and just a lot of activism happened because of it, because they were little kids and they were attempting to end their life. And people were like, okay, something, something's happening here and we need to figure out what's happening. Uh, the former chief, Bruce Shishish opens up a lot about uh, potential causes of the crisis, and we're going to talk about that next. In an interview with CBC, Former Chief Bruce Shishish revealed that improper housing and a lack of recreational activities could have been major contributing factors to the suicide crisis. So at the time, Attawapiskat only had 340 available and functioning homes, while they had a population of 2,100 people. This meant that around seven people on average were in each home. A lot of homes had more people in them, though. Um, these homes were filled with mold, and they were built with poor foundation, which led to issues like cracked walls, um, ceiling issues, flooding, and leaks. The youth didn't have much to do because there was no recreational center. And one of the first things that they asked for was a rec center so that the kids would have something to do and somewhere to spend their free time. Attawapiska's hospital and its mental health care are probably the two biggest issues um, when it comes to this crisis. So Attawapiska's hospital only had 15 beds, no full-time doctor, and the medical staff only flew in four days a week. Uh, Two nurses stayed during the weekend and on nights. And for they had, didn't have any regular mental health consultants for months. And during the time of the crisis, they didn't have a regular one there, which is a huge problem because it can be very difficult for people to open up about traumatic experiences just in general. Like, it's uncomfortable. But when you have someone who keeps coming in and, you know, you keep getting different people that you have to open up to because you don't have a stable mental health worker, that's even worse because then the community members have to keep rehashing their 
uncomfortable experiences that they've had and traumatic experiences, which is not very good for their mental health either. I also read in an article by APT and National News that it was believed that due to the lack of mental health care workers, sexual abuse rates were higher because kids didn't have anyone to talk to about what was happening to them because if they were being abused at home or with some other person that they trusted, they didn't feel that they had anywhere to go. And there were also not many systems in place to put a stop to the abuse and or to work through it. First Nations Drum reported on a lot of the government-related reactions to the crisis. So this includes um, regional, provincial, and federal governments, uh, which sent support and crisis workers to the community in response. Uh, but after it appeared that the crisis had smoothed out, several workers left. This is a big problem because the former chief of Attawapiskat, Bruce Shishish, had worried that after a certain amount of time, they would no longer have assistance in Attawapiskat, and he was worried that the crisis would happen again because they wouldn't receive proper help. And while they did receive help, it's not okay that the workers just left because they obviously need continued um, mental health support. The Ontario government also promised to fund health support and a youth center for the two years following the crisis. The Aboriginal Aboriginal Multimedia Society uh, reported on the protests that happened following the crisis. So this is when First Nations families and non-Indigenous allies gathered outside of the Indigenous and Northern Affairs Canada office in Vancouver. Uh, this took place on Monday, April 18th, 2016. Uh, their goal was to get recognition and support because of the suicide crisis in Attawapiskat. The organizer of the event, Chrissy Ullman, uh, made a comment on why she thinks the suicides are happening so frequently in an interview with the Aboriginal Multimedia Society. So she said, when it becomes normalized, it becomes an option, it becomes a viable option, and it is not something that is unacceptable or abhorrent. She said this because suicides were happening so frequently and in the community, so when kids see that and it's happening around them so often, it just becomes something where it's it's sad to say, but normal, um, and it becomes less scary because it's just something that is so normalized for them. Uh, later in the day, it was announced that Indigenous Affairs Minister Carolyn Bennett would ensure federal support for a properly equipped youth center, as well as some programming for young people. After a meeting took place between her, 
uh, the former Attawapiskat chief Bruce Shishish and NDP Aboriginal Affair critic Charlie Angus. The Idle No More movement also played a big role in the suicide crisis and receiving uh, proper media coverage and attention. Wawate News reported about the group of activists um, they, who advocated for Indigenous communities dealing with states of emergency, which included Atawapiskat. Uh, they want to relieve the pain and support those who are suffering. So their goals are what they wanted from the government and from Canada was uh, youth centers, parenting centers, traditional teachings, ceremonies, knowledge of their chants, their psalms, and their skills for surviving on the land. They wanted better education and end to the endless cycle of drugs and alcoholism. They wanted recycling systems, dry land, sports activities, shelters, recreational facilities, libraries, cinemas, mental health response, and treatment. And they wanted to represent themselves on youth councils. And they wanted to be able to have a meeting with Justin Trudeau so they could get the things they were asking for and talk directly to the person who would be able to give those things to them. The protests also played a big role because they utilized a lot of um, community members from Attawapiskat, which gave Canada some, you know, uh, community responses so we could see what it's really like uh, for members of the community who are going through this suicide crisis and having to witness so many of their fellow community members in pain. Overall, there was a large response to the Attawapiskat suicide crisis. It was important that the crisis received a lot of attention so Attawapiskat could get the supplies they needed from the government, while also helping Canadians acknowledge the generational trauma that is now being seen in Indigenous communities due to the abuse they faced in residential school systems, as well as the aftermath of colonialism. If you're going to take anything away from this podcast, I hope it would be that numbers are more than just statistics. Oftentimes, there are people and communities behind them that we need to be sensitive to and respectful of. If you're interested in learning more about the suicide crisis, check out my speaker's notes. I have a full source list there, so you can do some reading if you want. I highly recommend it. But... That's about it. Uh, Thank you for listening to my podcast, and I hope you have a great day and you learn something new.